Does your vision for business match what you see happening on a daily basis? Welcome to Jim White's Circle of Success, where Jim White brings it all together. For over 30 years, Jim White has worked with organizations and individuals worldwide to help develop and implement excellence. You'll get the inside story on how to create innovative leaders from one corner of your company to the other. Get everyone on your team contributing to the bottom line. Keep building revenue even when the economy and your customers have flatlined. And more. Jim White's Circle of Success Radio covers it all, from communication to contract negotiation, from personal fulfillment to revving up cash flow. It's not about theories. It's about showing you what works and how to make it work for you. And now, here's your host, Jim White. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Jim White, and I'm coming to you live from Carmel, California, on Saturday, August the 20th, 2011. We've got a fantastic show for you today. We're going to discuss the California's budget. Uh, we're going to talk about the financial close as of close of markets on Friday in the U.S. and uh, talk about uh, European markets. And we're also going to drill down further about the uh, uh, Senate's uh, uh, proposal uh, on the uh, highway bill. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, Senator Boxer's proposal. I think she came out on Thursday uh, where the House goes back on the 8th right after Labor Day. And she's going to be taking up uh, an extension, uh, extension of the highway bill uh, right after the eight, because if we don't deal some, do something, uh, the uh, funding uh, expiration is September the 30th. So we have some very, very serious issues uh, that we need to be dealing with. But what I'd like to do is just pick up from last week's show, where I've, I've started every show for the past six weeks to talk about construction matters in the economy. Now, you may get tired of hearing this, but uh, I'm going to keep saying it, okay? And the reason for that is infrastructure development uh, is one of the fastest ways to start putting people back to work, providing that we can get fast-track some of the projects that are set in mothballs, and we can start being a little bit more creative how to get some of these projects financed. Now, the ongoing construction downturn, uh, it's not only devastating to people working in directly in the construction industry, but it continues to be a drag on the U.S. economy as well. Now, the construction spending accounts for more than 8% of the gross uh, uh, national product, and forever, it accounts for every 10 shipments, uh, machinery shipments. So construction is a big deal. Now, given that we are in all states receiving a D, if you will, from the recent report that was conducted from the American Society of Civil Engineers, there's not a category that we have a D or better. Now, also, in their latest report, uh, which unfortunately is just 2009 because these things are very extensive uh, and costly and time-consuming in order to put together. But what I find very interesting in this report is that the projected uh, need for the, past, uh, for the next five years is uh, over $2 trillion dollars. So you've heard me say this over and over and over. We have the need. We have the ability from our contractors and uh, resources. What we don't have is the will from our leadership in Washington. That's the reason I'm going to be talking a little bit more today uh, about the will and the leadership that we as industry leaders need to start to assert. Now, I also found it very interesting as I was looking at the market close on Friday, uh, close of markets, and I started looking at major, major, major uh, publicly traded companies 
where we can have some uh, amount of access to public information. And where I determined that, based on the reports, that we're sitting on a huge amount of cash, huge, more than $2 trillion of liquidity at this point. Well, I understand the reason leaders are hesitant to make a commitment is because we do not have any clear direction uh, out of Washington. So that's going to make most leaders leery um, making a commitment. However, I do not believe that we as private sector leaders need to sit around and wait for Washington to make all of our decisions for us. Now, last night I was watching a interview uh, on uh, Piers Morgan, CNN, the host, where he interviewed uh, Howard Schultz, the chairman and CEO of Starbucks. I was fascinated by this interview. I was fascinated uh, for several reasons. Primarily, the manner in which Mr. Schultz made his case and where he said, I'm reaching out to my peers and where he's talking about uh, lack of confidence, lack of leadership, and you likewise have heard me talk about this on previous shows. I actually uh, have talked about how we can, in fact, uh, measure trust or lack of trust and connect the two to uh, the bottom line and earn it. Now, I've been watching the blogs today, uh, this morning prior to the show, logged on. I was curious about the comments that were being made as a result of uh, Howard's interview on CNN. And what I found very interesting uh, is some of the uh, people leaving comments uh, was saying there is no, uh, didn't hear Schultz give any substance uh, of what he would do. Well, I totally disagree. And I think that's probably part of the issues that we have, not only in the United States, but in Europe and around the globe, that we don't understand the severity of the need of have leadership and to and to develop confidence and leadership as a result of that. And it's all got to start from a clear vision, okay, a clear vision globally. And, and we don't have that in any sector that's going on globally today in my mind, no sector. So I commend uh, – Howard Schultz for his stamp. I believe that he uh, was speaking from the heart. I believe that he was speaking truth. I believe that uh, he uh, it took you know a lot of courage to go on national television and international television to take a stand. And I have a lot of respect for that. I think more of our leaders. Uh, in the industry, the construction uh, industry, architects, engineers, suppliers, I don't care for you are a two-person organization or run a organization that's got 200,000, 500,000 employees. You've got to be heard. Your voice needs to be heard. So whatever venue that is for you, we've got to step up to the table because I, you know, if you're looking at the same numbers that I was looking at for close of business on Friday, when the Asian markets open uh, Sunday, and when we look at the European markets, we're in for a ride here, you know, the remainder of uh, 2011, and we're certainly going to be in a ride. Uh, in 2012 as we go into the uh, presidential election cycle. Now, can we withstand, or stand by, I should say, idly, without becoming more vocal 
and there's several words that uh, Howard Schultz used that impressed me. And he said, with all due respect to Congress and our leaders and the administration. I agree with that. A lot of you that's listening to the show today, you've been in some of my personal meetings where I've said, I remember a year and a half back where a group of us went to Sacramento and where we were testifying in regards to the emissions issues in California. Well, everybody in the industry, the construction industry and the equipment industry, man, they're all up in arms and they were ready to come in. And I'm just going to tell them the way it is and and only vocabulary that they could master would be four-letter words. And I can assure you that's not going to get anyone's attention. It only uh, reaffirms that may look like a moron, right, in order to be able to talk that way. So when when I heard Howard Schultz say, uh, in all due respect, he also reinforced uh, the comparison about when he came back and actually took over the CEO role again, I believe it was in 2008, he said the first thing that he did was to stand up in front of his 200,000 employees, and assumed responsibility, even though he was the chairman at that time, and assumed responsibility for uh, the failure in execution or having a clear vision as to where Starbucks were going at that time. So he assumed a leadership role, and what did he do? Started to build confidence, uh, started crystal clear, down to every employee within Starbucks as to what their mission was and the values in which they would go about their business on a daily basis. Now, I heard Howard Schultz say last night and acknowledge that the huge problems that we have in the United States and in Europe and others are huge and there cannot be uh, compared in a lot of ways to turning around a corporate private sector business. I understand what he meant by that, but I disagree a little bit because I believe that if you can connect the heart and the head, if you can develop a compelling vision, and if everybody understands exactly what that vision is, and if each and every stakeholder, I don't like that word, but I can't think of a better one at the moment, each stakeholder understands, uh, once again, his or her area of responsibility, uh, setting goals, and holding yourself accountable to each and every one of those goals on a daily basis. See, this is something that is not part-time. It's a full-time endeavor, full-time endeavor to continue to become the best you that you can be. It's a full-time endeavor for, uh, from, from our leadership to continue to get better at that. And it's a full-time endeavor. If you make a mistake and if you mess it up and we're human beings and we're going to do that, is to say, I blew it, explain it, get dust off, and move ahead. But that's not happening within the Beltway of Washington, D.C. We're too concerned because we've created such a, uh, a machine, if you will, and it's all about the, re, uh, the uh, election cycles, and they're more concerned about the polls, the decisions. Have you ever noticed this? The decisions that, uh, that's been made, they're first having their posters to take a poll and see how this is going to fly with the electorate, right? Well, you know, sometimes, in, in, and I know from firsthand experience, man, I cheese off a lot of people a lot of times. But you've got to have a belief, and you've got to, and, and, and if you want to be in that leadership row, lead. If not, just get out of the way. I think there's a nice expression over that, either lead, follow, or get out of the way. It comes uh, back in the 70s. And I don't think it's more appropriate than it is today. And that's the same issue that we have uh, with the California budget, uh, Governor Brown, when he came came in office again, 
Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that he was doing, and there's a lot of things that we're going to continue uh, to do that's been somewhat challenging, and we're going to drill down on that a little bit. But for the first segment of the show this morning, I just want to challenge each and every person that's listening to the show today to stop and look at his or her area of responsibility and say, what can we do within, maybe it's just within a 20-mile radius of your center of influence, what can we do in the morning to help create a job? It's all about job creation. You can never get out of a hole by cutting costs totally. Now, I know that could be debated. There's a lot of uh, economists, uh, and that's the wonderful thing about uh, our United States and other, other, other free currents, that we have the ability to debate these issues. That, But you've got to have revenue, right? You've you got to have a certain amount of revenue. You've got to be producing something in order to generate revenue. Now, if you were following the markets over the past week, uh, and and where we have the wonderful computer and the short selling, and uh, you probably are aware that in Europe they just eliminated short selling. Uh, so that's another issue within itself, and also the uh, liquidity issues that the European banks have. And this is some of the issues that we're going to get up Monday morning when the market opens, and we're going to continue to take a ride. Now, when I say this, I do not intend to, uh, set from a pessimistic standpoint, I'm just trying to be very realistic <clears throat> to let us know that we, in the call of action that I'm issuing today for the listeners of the show, for every business leader, every business owner, everybody to say, with the spirit, what can I do? And I've said this, I think, three different ways now, right? What can I do to help create a job, and what can I do to continue to develop trust in whatever I do and to have that leadership and not make it about you. Uh, sometimes you got to realize that it's not all, all about you, and, the, uh, and, and, that, and that, that, that takes a mature leader uh, to say that, and, and uh, not all of us are up for that. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I am going to uh, get very specific and drilling down and talking about the Senate proposal uh, that uh, Senator Boxer's committee is going to take up, uh, right, I think, September the 8th. Then we're going to drill down further and talk about very specific numbers and different props in California's budget. So bear with us. We'll be back in one minute. Are you looking for a clarity of purpose? Are you a recent college graduate, unemployed, an entrepreneur, or considering a career change? A business owner or employee struggling with performance issues? Announcing the August 20th launch of the worldwide phenomenon, What's My Purpose Life Mastery Course 2.0. What's My Purpose Life Mastery Course 2.0 can help you define your goals and vision. Start living your life on purpose. Living on purpose is all about joy. Living on purpose is about intention. Living on Purpose is about personal transformation and continued growth. What's My Purpose Life Mastery Course 2.0 is a 12-week challenging course that helps you address finances, relationships, spiritual growth, physical, and mental health. You'll reclaim your personal power and get your life on track to attain true success. What's My Purpose Life Mastery Course 2.0 launches August 20th. Learn more and register at whatsmypurpose.com slash v2. That's whatsmypurpose.com slash v2. Thank you. We're back. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about um, there's an acronym, and I'm going to be very deliberate when I talk about this acronym because most people really don't understand what it means. So it's uh, S-A-F-E-T-E-A-L-U. Well, as everything that comes out of Washington, we have all these acronyms, right? So, but most people don't understand. We see it, but what does it mean? Well, I've been looking at that uh, acronym for several days, and 
I want to drill down on exactly what that means. Well, it first came into uh, being is that name in 2005. I think it was around October 2005. Now, what it stands for is this. The S stands for safe. The A stands for accountable. The F stands for flexible. The E stands for efficient. Right? The T stands for transportation. The E, again, there's two E's, stands for equity. And the A stands for act. And the LU on the end of that is legacy users. Well, let's look at this. Safe, accountable, flexible, efficient, transportation, equity act for all users. That's what that means. Well, let's talk about that. For that to have feet, as I call it, well, having a D and a D minus in every area of our infrastructure, not only in California, but nationwide, and having a need of Five trillion dollars, and have it a fight amongst the different bodies and the administration versus said, "Wow!" Now, last week's show, I talked about how many gallons of fuel that was being wasted by setting in traffic on a daily basis. And how many hours? Four billion hours. How many accidents? And how many people are being killed and maimed as a result of, of, of the infrastructure? So I think you get my point here. Why is it that we, we collected we, are not being more uh, vocal and supporting and make sure that these bills are heard and we get the money behind it because we have we have the resources. Once again, we're just lacking the will. Now, I want to uh, continue to drill down on that for a moment, and I want to talk to you just briefly about uh, the importance of the Senate side of proposal. Okay. Now, as you know. Uh, Chairman Micah uh, from, 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 from the uh, uh, House side, uh, you know, he's done some wonderful work. But at the end of the day, once we analyze that, and in, in my, uh, my opinion and other experts that uh, does this on a daily basis, it falls a little short. We believe that the Senate side of this bill, and which is chaired, and, 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 and that Senate side is, is from the Senate Environmental and Public Works Committee, which is chaired by uh, our own uh, Barbara Boxer, Democrat from California. Now, which she's been working on this bill since June, okay? Since June. Now, it calls for $109 billion over two years. And it requires legislators uh, to increase or or redirect some tax revenues about twelve billion dollars. Now that's that's the key. Now, with this new proposal from the Senate side, you know, can we redirect twelve billion? I I, I think so. After all, we just decided to add another seven trillion to the budget by raising the debt ceiling, right? So it's a, it's, it's a tricky deal. But where we have unemployment and the construction trades continue, not only in California, 20 and 25%, you know, we really got to what I call the vital few, drill down on those vitals and get those things to work, okay? Now, 
failure to do this, and if we stay with the House side, uh, I mean, we're going to start seeing more programs cut just, I mean, in the fall, right around the corner uh, by 35 or 40% it's estimates, right on top of us, because the current bill expires on September the 30th. Now, this is what's getting. Now, if you have watched what's happened with the FAA, which is another which is another show, uh, I mean, and what it cost as a result of FFA being shut down, I mean, we cannot afford to have this thing shut down, and it's just it's 30 days away or less, 30, 33, 34 days away. So when everybody decides to get off of vacation, go back to work. Uh, as I said, there's a report that came out of Senator uh, Boxer's office uh, last, last Thursday saying that on September the 8th, first thing that they're going to do is ask for a four-month extension, which will take us through January. So it's going to get us through this 30 September time. And then September the 15th, is when hopefully a full vote will come for that two-year extension. Now, it's important that you uh, take a lead from your local uh, associations, uh, one that we're all very familiar with in Northern California, and and Juca and and, uh, Bill Davis's people down in Southern California throughout, that we get behind and we have emails we have letters. We are very specific for what we want. And when they go back to work after the Labor Day, uh, that they know that we have a voice and we're saying, hey, get it extended. Go to the vote on the 15th of September, which will carry us two years, will give us a little stability, and then continue to work on a long-term solution. Okay? we got to work on that long-term solution. And it's stopped taking us to the last day, which only thing that that does is create fear and anxiety and it, and, 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 and put, makes, creates more polarization in regards of decision-making from uh, uh, business leaders, uh, and, and so it's no good for anyone. And the only thing that uh, it's, it's good for or in my mind, it's not even good for that as far as the politicians. I can't believe that they can't see this. I, I just don't get it. So it's important that we are on top of that, and as an industry, we we are really becoming proactive on that, okay? So we're going to take a, a, a another break, and we kind of come back. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the California budget. I'm going to talk about defining the budget gap and some of the things that's going on there. So we'll be back shortly. So hang in there. This segment is brought to you by TES Asset Management and Consulting Group. Is it time to develop the resources and talent to grow your bottom line? TES Asset Management and Consulting Group and JL White International Inc is comprised of a team of seasoned executives with extensive experience in merchant banking. From its origins in the 18th century, merchant banking has today evolved into an enterprise that not only finances a company's product or services, but also assists in developing a comprehensive business strategy. TES Asset Management and Consulting Group will not only assist you in merchant banking, but provide business development, strategy, execution, succession planning, corporate finance, capital market research, human resources, marketing, branding, public relations, international joint ventures, partnering, M&A due diligence, and transaction negotiation and execution with specialized solutions for construction contractors, OEMs, and dealerships. Learn more today at TESAMG.com. That's TESAMG.com. Okay, thank you, and uh, we're back. So, companies, I talked about that in the first segment of the show, but I want to reinforce uh, the amount of cash 
that U.S. corporations are setting up. Like I said, I understand the decision, but we've got to do a couple things. Either send it out in distributions or dividends so we can get it back to work, but at the same at the same time, uh, I understand the reluctance to do that uh, until we have some leadership to, to step forward. But I think the uh, private sector really needs to uh, step up to the stable and 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 start uh, releasing some of that money right now. And not to be, I'm not saying not to be crazy about it or irresponsible, but uh, uh, we could do a lot right now to start jump-starting this uh, uh, the economy, okay? Now, the California budget, and as I was, from week to week, as I, you know, there's nothing probably in my mind is any more boring than reading <laughs> volumes and volumes and volumes of um, uh, economic data and looking at numbers uh but what i find fascinating is what's not said as much as what is said and another thing that uh howard Schultz pointed out last night uh, i think it was 42 states uh i think that's accurate uh that are faced with uh, uh budget deficits right 42 and California uh, being one of them. And I would be remiss if I, because I've said it for every week for six weeks, that the position that we rank in from the chief executive magazine being number 50 is worst state to do business in. So it's aware that, you know, that we, we've got to uh, continue to uh, look at some of the things that uh, that's going to, start course correcting California because after all uh, for so long we were the eighth largest economy in the world and we got to reclaim uh, our leadership position in that and there's no reason that we can't it's look at who right now is the top market cap companies on the stock exchange Apple where are they located? California. Google's what next? Where are they located? California. Okay. So we house uh, a powerful, powerful group. Our higher education is some of the best in the world. So we have some smart folks within our state. Yet, the state's beginning to see a little signs. I mean, little, in my view, and it's certainly been the roughest, deepest, slowest since World War II. Over one million jobs is lost. So getting those back, I mean, we're you know projections are 2015, 2016. So we got a huge, huge job to do there. Now. The budget gap is projected in the budget of 2011-2012 for California is $25.4 billion. Now, that number is made up of a current year shortfall, current year 8.2, the year we're in, coming off of 10 and 11, and another $17.2 billion and looking for a reasonable reserve about a billion, okay? So, tax cuts, other budget solutions to close the gap. What do we do it? Well, I want to just take you down a little journey here. Bear with me. I, I, I printed out a little pie chart. How boring, right? A little pie chart. And this is... I'm, I said, you know, where are the revenues coming from? Well, I want you to listen to this. From the general fund revenue, 55.5% of the general fund revenue comes from personal income tax. 26% is from sales tax. 
okay? And the corporate tax, 12%. So, hmm, if, now I'm not going to get, because I have some issues over the personal tax and the corporate tax, and that's probably for another discussion. But what I wanted to point out here, if, if, over 50% of our general fund revenue comes from taxes, well, I don't know. You believe we should put people to work? We've got to have people making money to be able to pay that. And also, I, I think, and uh, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of emails based on this next statement, I think taking a look at uh, the tax code, well, not the first time you've heard that, right? What, you know, that's another, that's another can of worms. Uh, but I think Warren Buffett said it the best a couple of days ago when he says, hey, uh, I think we need to look at us, us being in the Warren Buffett sphere, if you will, because they don't pay a whole bunch of tax, right? So, again, it's a can of worms, but it's one of those can of worms we need to look at because the spread between the middle class and the rich today over the past 10 years, we were talking about that last night with our, our uh, my son and, and some other people we were chatting about, it's like 22%. It's upside down. So, But at the same time, you know, I am... A, I'm a firm. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a capitalist. I believe in those stuff. I, you know, I, I don't have a problem. I want you to go out and and and, and live that American dream. Well, that is an issue as well, uh, based on the lack of leadership and lack of confidence. Uh, what's made this country so so powerful since our beginning of time is that American dream. That you can start from nothing and become something. That's that's one of the great beauties of, of our country. As we come back to the budget side in California, well, and we're number 50, so we've got to take a look at retaining and stop the exodus of businesses out of California. Now, we allowed... Our friends from Texas to come up and do <laughs> do a little recruiting trip not long ago, and and we're saying we Californians, California businesses are saying, Jesus, go learn from Texas. Well, Texas has done a pretty good job of uh, of making incentives and making it uh, business friendly. California is not a business friendly state today. We're just not, okay? So as we continue to look at our budgets and as we continue to follow what Governor Brown's attempting to do, and he's got a tough job. Uh, I mean, what we have in Sacramento is, you know, sometimes I just want to go, Jesus, how in the world did we ever get here because of the fighting and fighting and the polarization but the reality is the state over the past 10 years or so have been doing short-term solutions. Uh, part of the things that we need to do is start uh, giving back more authority to the cities and the counties uh, to be able to run their own show, so to speak. Uh, I'm sure there's a better word, but I, I think you understand exactly what I mean. So once again, but the thing to keep our eye on is that we got to put people to work if we want to continue to get uh, that general fund revenue. Uh, and there's no question uh, that we can um, uh, do that. Now, the other side of this pie graph which I'm just looking at on the expenditure side. Now, to me, when I look at it, I've analyzed this, and I go, wow. Now, I want to start on the corrections and rehabilitation side. 
you know that that's 10.8% what it's costing us to keep people locked up, okay, 10%. Now, K-12, K-12 education, that's 42% of the expenditures, okay. The higher education has been beat up. Now, that's taken 11%. So we're getting we're beating up a higher education, and guess what? And and the money that the cuts that we're having to make in K to 12. Now Prop 98 has kind of uh, kind of kept that a little bit, but but cuts are being made. They're going to continue to be made. And if we do not have programs in place to start dealing with uh, changing cycles. Then we're going to have people, a lot of the things that uh, is going on in Philadelphia, and I saw a moving uh, report from the mayor of Philadelphia uh, just a couple of days ago where he has these curfews in place, and we got 11- and 12-year-olds committing absolutely vital acts on the street. Well, that has nothing to do with the economy in my mind. It has to do with uh, the parental and, 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 and what it's saying about our, our leadership from that standpoint as well, okay? Now, health and human services has got 25% of the money that's going out, right? Well, labor and workforce development. Labor and workforce development is only 0.5%. So we've got to put programs in place to be able to to train people, and there's another uh, staggering statistic that Howard Schultz uh, cited last night on his interview with uh, Pierce Morgan at CNN, when he says, if you look at manufacturing jobs versus uh, jobs, people working for the U.S. government, well, it's about 10% of the total population that works for the government, right? Well, that's, that's big. And the manufacturing is like 8 million versus 30 million, right? And there's another thing that uh, George Schultz was uh, talking about uh, was our friends in China. Now, I told you in this segment we're going to be talking about the California budget. We have. We're going to continue to do it. But all these things has a direct correlation to our budget in California as to how we think, how we uh, go about solving some of these problems. And I can tell you, if we don't, if we don't get kids early and to be able to have the educational programs in place, we've got to continue this cycle and we've got to break the cycle, right? we just got to break the cycle. Now, it's the next generations that I think is going to do that. Uh, we got 76 million baby boomers in the U.S. alone that are now going to have to work longer because if you watch 401ks go away this past week, man, there's no retirement in sight. However, and I am one of the baby boomers, there's going to be a mass exodus that we're going to that's going to be the void in knowledge that needs to be passed on. So we that's where I go back to this labor and workforce development, the amount of money we, we put behind that. And the transportation and housing in, in California expenditures is uh, uh, 0.8. 0. 0.8. Um, natural resources is 2.4. So environmental protection is 0.1, yet, our environmental protection, and, and 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 you heard me say this over and over and over, nobody wants to breathe bad air or destroy the environment. However, it's some of the environmental uh, issues that sometimes takes us 10 years in order to get a project to go. So we got to have a balance there as well. So as we look at the revenue side, of the budget in California, and the and the budget was passed, assuming that we're going to be able to make up a four billion dollar revenue gap 
and where that money is going to come from. So we need to keep our eyes on that uh, really very closely. Now, as it relates to, just a sidebar uh, briefly, as it relates to uh, California infrastructure, uh, there was, if my memory serves me correct, about $417 million of grants uh, that was uh, June from the Transportation Department uh, that the states uh, could apply for, discretionary grants that the Secretary of Transportation could award. Uh, I think California, I think we received about $27 million of, of that. Uh, the number that was staggering for the applications is like $13 billion in applications for the 413. So we we as Californians now, I'm being a little bit selfish, we as Californians have got to continue to look for those grant opportunities and everything that we can do, the money that's available that we can put into projects that are ready to go. Now I want to circle back uh, and close the loop on uh, another thing that uh, Howard Schultz was talking about in China. I am a firm believer uh, that we, we as American business, we need to take a different view at our friends. And they're not our enemy. <laughs> I'm going to get some more emails on this. They're not our enemy. We need to embrace them. Uh, the globe, that's what we got to do to embrace the globe. Uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that uh, you know we're we're under negotiation, sincere negotiation with some Chinese friends to help them enter into the U.S. market. I'm very excited about that, and and my exchange with them thus far has been uh, refreshing, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to continued uh, dialogue. But you take Starbucks, you take McDonald's, you take Nike, you take all of those, and what are in China, uh, they they want our products, but we've got to be respectful of their culture, and it's not to say that you know it it we, we got to respect it, but we got to get past this thing that they are our enemy, but we got to do it in a very 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 wise way, for as intellectual property is concerned, we got to make sure that uh, it's just like we do in the U.S. right. It's no different. We're not going to give away our intellectual property to our competitor right down the street. So it's no different than any other any other country. So we've got to be protecting that. Now, we have about 12 minutes left, and we're going to get one more um, uh, uh, segment in. And when we come back from the next break, we're going to talk about uh, California's what we call realignment of some of the government services. We'll be right back. This segment is brought to you by 12 O'Clock High Leadership and Management Summit. 12 O'Clock High is one of the undisputed best movie classics of all time. It is also one of the best business learning tools available. The movie rated number one by top executives for its influence on their management style. Now, the inspiration of the 12 O'Clock High Leadership and Management Summit, an innovative one-day event and 30-day follow-up where you will quickly see what's working and not working on the front lines of your company and in your own leadership style. Learn more at 12high.com. That's 12high.com. Okay, we're back. The remaining time we have, I just want to do some highlights of what's coming out of Sacramento, specifically out of the current budget, on the term realignment. Now, the budget is actually calling for, I mean, some historic, historic uh, realignment of government services. Now, now that's reversing a 30-year trend that has seen decision-making and budget authority move from local governments to state capital. That's where we got to reverse that and push it down as low as we can. We don't need Sacramento to make all of the decisions for every city or municipality or county in the state. Okay, so reversing that trend is going to be a real challenge, especially 
when we have cities with deficits and counties with deficits, but we've got to be got to be careful. But but to the extent feasible, uh, we we've got to really return the authority to the cities and the counties and the special districts and uh, the school boards, uh, allow decisions to be made by those who have the direct what. I, boots on ground <laughs> experience to ensure that we are using every dollar the most feasible. There's no way for Sacramento to know everything that's going on in every little district in California. And after that, let's give Californians a little bit more credit than that. We've got some pretty intelligent folks that are uh, volunteering their time, running for elective offices, and and doing the hard work for all the uh, uh, PTAs and the schools and the districts and all these type of things. So we need to uh, push it down and, and support them in that effort. Now, as I started off in the in, in early part of the show, you know we're seeing a little signs, but I'm having to take that back as the close of business yesterday. But what we're not seeing is continued, is, as we've talked about, the unemployment still be, is, is a real issue, real issue, real issue. So for those companies that are setting on excess cash in the state of California, what can we do in order to turn that to some immediate uh, job-producing, revenue-producing opportunities within our own state? It's become a leader in this economic turnaround. After all, at one point, as I stated earlier, the eighth largest economy. So I think California can really, uh, really step up to the table and kind of lead the way versus us being the, the last uh, state that CEOs, according to the recent survey, wants to do business in. So we got to change that uh, that trend as well, right? We got we got to change that that trend. Now, far as um, historical, looking at the thirty year trends, knowing that we need four billion dollars in order to stay close to coming, even we're close to uh, the budget that we have, uh, and uh, to close that gap, uh, it's, 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 it's absolutely mind-chattering. So as we look some history of the past 30 years, uh, one of the things that really came in to have Prop 98 for his K-12 K, K, uh, K uh, started in 1971, uh, ruling by the courts that uh, it was a uh, fundamental right that everybody should have an education, right? And then in 1978, when Prop 13 came into place to cut all local property tax, um, Prop 13 limited the property tax rate to 1% of the assessed value. So we've done a lot of things in, in the past that's been very historical. Uh, but for the most part, we've just kind of stopped or become so wrapped up into the bureaucracy and 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 the egos uh, that uh, we we've lost sight of the things that we should be doing. Now, it's interesting to say when Prop 13 came in, local governments you know realized a loss of about 57 percent of their property tax. Right? People have forgotten that. So, uh, you know, it was a huge burden, and, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of our uh, cities and counties really have not re recovered from that and you know and by prop 13 78 and 79 uh i mean they took away about seven billion dollars in revenue to cities and counties now however we have steadily um uh been pulling out of that and as long as we can um uh, look at creating jobs uh, especially from an infrastructure side uh, high-speed rail, uh, our ports, and all the opportunities that we have, and be open to exploring other financing options 
such as private-public partnerships. Uh, and like I said, I'm still going to, on the upcoming show. I'm going to bring an expert on. We're going to talk about that. So there's a lot of a lot of dialogue around that alternative financing. And that's what we need to continue to look at is other forms of alternative financing as well. And not say, oh, it don't work. We tried that. We don't need to try it again. So we need to get away from that thinking. And uh, and, and what I would like to uh, really uh, bring it back before we conclude this morning is I'm going to post a link on our blog at whatsmypurposeblog.com uh, of the wonderful interview uh, that uh, Howard Schultz did with Piers Morgan uh, at CNN. I think it's worth everybody to uh, to view. And, and and if you don't agree, uh, get your voices heard. But I think it's a very, very solid uh, foundation, okay? Now, with this realignment proposal from the 2011-2012 uh, budget, uh, and since Prop 13 has been in place, the long-term goal is not to re- to reduce the services, but how we continue to add services without taking them away, and uh, how we can continue to uh, protect uh, the environment. Uh, what we're doing about uh, the recent ruling uh, as far as the overcrowding in the prisons and the counties are being stuck with that. So this is a long term, but we got to change. Uh, if people are born and the only thing that they know how to do is to fight and to shoot each other, uh, we got to continue to have these issues. So we've got to really step up to the table and take a strong stance on that. Now, uh, next week, uh, we have a very exciting guest uh, is the president of C.C. Meyer, and um, he's, he's put together what I consider a very compelling case uh, on the gas tax. So he's going to be on the show next week, and we're going to talk about different alternatives of, of, of the gas tax and what we should do about that. So uh, we are going to take a look at that. In conclusion uh, for today's show, um, I want you to uh, be aware and go take a look at the $29.6 billion that we received from the recent uh, grant. Take a look at the TIGER grants. It's called TIGER, TIGER 1, TIGER 2, very specific by name with the Department of Transportation. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, discretionary funds that's available from the uh, Secretary of Transportation to be able to, but no, but every state's competing with it, so I want to make sure that we have uh, application ends at all time in order to make sure that we're getting our share share of that. And also, uh, if you haven't done so, please go to um, uh, asce.org, asce.org, Download uh, the report, the report that they have put together uh, where they've looked at every category of aviation, bridges, dams, the drinking water, energy, hazard uh, uh, hazard waste, and the inland waterways and our levees and our public and parts of recreation, railroad, school, all of it. They've looked at all of it and with the GPA being a D. <laughs> so having a D GPA really is not going to do a whole lot for you. So and being aware that uh we need to find two point two trillion dollars to be able to fit the need for the development and have a long term plan for highway infrastructure funding. So this is Jim White saying thank you for your time. Uh really appreciate you spending some time with us on Saturday. Uh, we'd appreciate your uh, feedback. Any topics that you'd like for us to address in future shows, we'd be open to listening to those. And until next week, uh, make it a great weekend, and I will talk to you next Saturday. You've been listening to Jim White's Circle of Success Radio. Please visit our website, 
jlwhiteinternational.com. Join us next time as Jim White brings it all together on Jim White's Circle of Success Radio. Thank you.